It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Hey, Santa, you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy on now at APCO. Ho, 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 ho. Tim Horan's joining us right now to talk a bit of Super Rugby, and uh, you can catch it all, of course, across the Nyman Network and Stansport this week. And uh, Timmy, one of the great Wallabies of all time. Morning, mate. How are you? Hey, Adam. Not a year. Well, mate. Um, yes, yeah, big weekend for rugby, isn't it? The quarterfinals. It's got exciting. Exactly. Hey, just before we move on to all of that, like obviously, some of your great moments were called by the great Gordon Bray, and. In reference to Rabs in rugby league, having a great caller call your great moments on the field, do they make them better as an ex-player? Oh, yeah, sometimes they do. Yeah, it's, um, I remember actually a game we played um, over in Ireland when it was a quarter final in 1991. We won that World Cup. It was quarter final at Lansdowne Road in Dublin. Um, Ireland were ahead with a minute to go, and Michael Liner scored in the corner, and the whole crowd went deathly silent. And you could actually hear Gordon Bray in the grandstand commentating because he was about the only Aussie there at the moment. So, <laughs> um, but some great moments, and uh, yeah, I think they do. They make uh, Noddy probably appreciate it as well. That you know what Rabs has done over. You know, I remember watching Anco Cup, you know, Panasonic Cup days when I first sort of um, heard him um, call. You know, Cronulla and Brisbane. Those sort of matches were fantastic. Mm. Timmy, there was no opportunity. And if you're watching those games on a Wednesday night when you're a a little spring chicken on the way. Where, where, when did we go to rugby? Was there ever a crossover in rugby league where you thought you could have maybe had a crack at it? Uh, maybe a couple of times. Not yeah, I think um, through that Super League era, but also uh, 1992, 93. After we, you know, we, I was only still only young, 22 years of age, and came out of the, you know winning a World Cup and a couple of blitters. So I thought, well, you know, rugby was amateur, and um, you know what what do you do going forward? I had a couple of chats to Alan Jones in the Belmain days, um, North Sydney those sort of sides and then probably had a decent you know opportunity to go to Wigan um, and play over there in the UK but um, as we got closer and closer to that 1995 Rugby World Cup there was all this noise about rugby potentially turning um, professional so yeah hung around for that and, and enjoyed it. Yeah that's right I remember playing against Jason Robinson I think the last game he played before he left the league and was signed with the British Lions so certainly a freak of a player. Tell me about this Super Rugby semi-finals. There's 12 teams in the competition. Eight can make the finals. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, I think it's uh, it'll, it'll be looked at next year. Um, someone was saying the other day, maybe maybe 10 should make the, the, the quarterfinals. But yeah, uh, yeah I think it, I actually quite like it because it makes the competition, you get three weeks of finals. I actually think it probably should be four weeks of final. And the, if you finish one or two, in the competition, which was the Auckland Blues and the Canterbury Crusaders, um, you get the weekend off, and then the next six teams play. I think that that's probably a bit fairer. But yeah, last night the Crusaders they uh, beat the Queensland Reds. So the next game, of course, the Waratahs are going to play against the Chiefs uh, in New Zealand this afternoon. So, and they've been fantastic this year. That the Waratahs compared to last year, they didn't win a game. Were hardly getting any crowds to their matches, and Leichhardt over the last couple of weekends has been full. On that. 
Darren Coleman, so we've spoken about it here on a Saturday morning, Tim, about getting a guy who knows the scene in the backyard of the mob he's now coaching at super rugby level. So Darren Coleman knows the shoot shield um, situation really, really well. Are you, where does your level of surprise lie with what he's been able to form the Waratahs into this season? Obviously not the finished product and that they want to be a lot better in the years ahead, but it was looking desperately, desperately bad in the last couple of years. Yeah, I think Adam, um, I watched them in their three trial games earlier this year and I thought, gee, the way is actually just the style of play they were playing. They were attacking from 70 metres out, throwing the ball wide, but also their forwards were dynamic. And I thought, gee, he's really changed up the style of play of what they did in the last couple of years. And I think he had to because he, I mean, this side's been around together for the last two, some of them three years. Um, so they had to perform this year. And I think they just got a lot of belief. They've got these young young players now who were 20, 21 a couple of years ago. Now they're 24, 25, a bit more experienced. Michael Hooper, of course, came back into the team. So uh, he's really found this belief and this trust amongst these players. And, and they're playing a style. They're not kicking a lot of ball away. And they're cherishing that. And I think they've, they've shown that against a couple of New Zealand teams. You're talking about the Tars and how they're going and, and, and moving forward. Obviously, some exciting times is... Couple of bolters. Let's give us some things to look forward to in the future for the Wallabies. Any bolters you think would be coming into that Australian squad, or someone you've seen this year in the Super Rugby? Go, you know what? In maybe a little bit of time, he could be potentially that exciting Wallaby player. Yeah, I think not. We're looking towards you know Rugby World Cup in about sort of fifteen, sixteen months time in France, and you've got to try and pick your team. I reckon that eighteen months out from the World Cup, so they got time to mould and, and be part of a, a quite a unique culture with Dave Rennie, the, the Wallaby coach. But um but the hooker from New South Wales, Dave Dave Parecki, has been in the side for a couple of years. I reckon he's probably gonna get first chance or second chance at the Wallaby Gold number two jersey. He's been in great form. Um Harry Johnson Holmes, who's coming back uh, from a knee injury. Um that front row, Angus Bell, those three players of the Waratahs have been fantastic and um, we've got a lot of depth there at the moment in the front row position. Um, and also you look at um, Suliasi Vunavalu, Noddy, of course, you'd know him. And he's been out for a long time playing with the Queensland Reds. I think he'll be in the Wallaby squad. Um, he's got a bit to go yet to get to where we want him to be if he's going to be a winger for rugby, you know, the World Cup. Yeah, you talk, I'd be interested to know, Tim, you know, if you talk about if you had to build a dream squad for the World Cup, say we got it in 18 months' time, we're going to have a potential to win it. What are the key positions, basically, for rugby that you've got to have that can allow you to become that elitist? Yeah, I think you, well, it's sort of like a bit like um, you know, in rugby league, you talk about the spine. For us in rugby, it's your two, your eight's really important. Your two and your eight, so your, your number eight. But also your fly half, um, James O'Connor, uh, Noel Olesiu, those two players. Important. At the moment, probably the only position we don't have a lot of depth in is at fullback at 15. So um, Tom Banks has been playing some good footy for for the Brumbies, and um, but we're just yet to find who's going to be that 15 going into a World Cup. And that's, you know, obviously when we lost Israel Folau a few years ago, that was a big hole on the field um, for the Wallabies, and we're yet to sort of really find that person yet. Dare say that he won't be asked back anytime soon. No. <laughs> we won't go there, shall we, Tim? No, we won't go down that particular uh, avenue. With the World Cup, mate, um, the, with the, the hosting rights locked in, in a general sense, and obviously your, your good mate Phil Kearns is uh, entrenched in the, the organisation of everything there, how does that, like you, you look at it on face value and you go, oh, great, great for the game, great exposure, financially everything. How does it exactly play out, though, to make sure 
it benefits the game like you want it to. Yeah, I, I think there's a few key points there, Adam. And, what, and one is we, we can't wait until the 2027 Rugby World Cup to happen. You've actually got to build the competition now. And of course, the, the Women's Rugby World Cup will host that in 29 as well. And I think what we've got to do is we've got to build a Wallaby team that wins test matches and wins against the All Blacks um, consistently. Uh, until we do that, people, a lot of people talking about, oh, yes, we've got to have funds and funds from the World Cup. It's all got to go to grassroots rugby. Well, grassroots rugby is reasonably solid at the moment, and it will grow if the Wallabies start winning a lot more test matches because kids, they'll run around in a gold jersey and you'll see people in gold scarves, and, but consistently a Wallaby winning team. But also... Post the World Cup, you know, if, if you bank something like 100 mil, you've got to be able to put some of that, most of that into a future fund for, you know, the future part of the game. And then some, and the rest goes to, you know, junior rugby, country rugby, women's rugby is one of the fastest growing sports in the world. So, um, but I think we've got to build a, a, a Wallaby team that's consistently winning. Does that mean to go and get a couple of league players that would have normally played rugby union post-school, um, maybe. Um, there's a lot of talent around, but we've got to make sure that we can hold most of them. Yeah, it feels to me, outside looking in, Tim, that the football, soccer, in a sense, has the same problem in Australia. The, the levels are disconnected. Now, obviously, there's a close relationship between super rugby franchises, I hate that word, clubs, and the national team. But the, the disconnection, it feels like, and hopefully it's getting better, is between club rugby and also Super Rugby. Is that correct, or am I off the mark there? Yeah, no, it's getting better, Adam. It was like that a while ago. It's getting much better, because if you have a you have a coaching structure or coaches, like whether it's a Brad Thorne at the Queensland Reds or Darren Coleman at the Waratahs, they're sending players back to play club footy. So if you're not part of the 22-man squad or 23-man squad, you're going back to play club footy. So... Um, and I think that's really important for especially the younger players in those squads to play club footy. And then and then post that, you're getting the club's supporters coming to watch the Waratahs or watch the Reds play. So mm. that connection's a lot better the last couple of years. Yeah, because in the past, what, they'd just get quarantined, would they? If you're in the 30-man squad or whatever it was for Super Rugby, you'd miss out in a game, you miss out yeah. in a game. Yeah, club, cl- yeah, clubs wouldn't see, you know, Sydney clubs in the Shoot Shield or in, in Brisbane. You wouldn't see a player till probably the semi-final of a club club game, but they'd be quarantined. They're scared of injuries, but like you need your front rowers, you need to be packing a thousand scrums a year, and the only way you can do that is club footy. And, and that brings the connection then, Adam. If you said that, and to you, Tim, as well. If you if you send players back to play park footy, then obviously that's the connection between the elitists and the and the park football. I think you guys obviously for. For league and union in New South Wales, when the new Allianz Stadium opens up, the experience to attract a player or a fan as a Waratah supporter could be exciting for them as well? I think it will, Noddy. I think um, the big challenge, and I think they've already made their decision, but the big challenge for New South Wales Waratahs is that, you know, at Leichhardt Oval, and Noddy, you would have played there a few times, when you have a a full house there of 12,000 people, it's it's a great atmosphere. And there was kids and club, all the clubs come out and watch. And then you're going to take... You're obviously going to go back to the Sydney Football Stadium. Uh, I dare say that the Waratahs are already contracted there. Um, mm. That would have been in place before they started building it. Um, so you're going to have all your home games there. So I'm not sure what that's going to sit. 40, 45,000, yeah. 50,000, whatever the number is. 46. You know, a big crowd for the Waratahs will be 25 to 30,000. You know, mm. so that's what the challenge is. How do you try and attract those sort of people to, to that new ground next year? 
All these games on Stan Sport this afternoon, of course, Tim. Uh, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs Tars, followed by Blues Highlanders, Brumbies Hurricanes. Upsets would be the away teams to get a victory. Can you see any of those going away from the home sides? Well, yeah, though, I think the Waratahs are a good chance this afternoon over in New Zealand. They've shown that they can win um, over in New Zealand, which they did a couple of weeks ago. So, And then the Brumbies, um, it'll be tough for the Brumbies, but at least they've got a home game in Canberra. It's going to be freezing cold. And uh, I think the way that Dan McKellar, the coach of the Brumbies, is the best coach in Australia at the moment, has been for the last three or four years. And they've got a side to, to take them through to the semi-final next weekend. Good news. Uh, Tim Horan, thanks for your time this morning, mate. Enjoy the rugby across the afternoon. Good stuff. Thanks, boys. Tim Horan, Wallaby Great, joining us on the Mowers Club from Stan Sport. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.